It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond flying solo here in the studio as Mitchell Forty is traversing the country somewhere on the way back from a 4th of July excursion, hopefully with all digits and extremities still attached. I guess we will... uh, Find that out shortly, but um, we are going to continue our 2018 football previews on this episode of the podcast, and we get to the one that we didn't preview Tennessee Martin because, uh, you know, Missouri shouldn't have any danger of losing that game. Uh, We will spend a little bit more time previewing Alabama, although it is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, a trip to Tuscaloosa uh, let's just say hopes will not be high that week, probably in Columbia, Missouri. We're going to talk with Tony Sukalis from BamaInsider.com. He covers the Crimson Tide for the Rivals.com network. Tony, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well. Is it, uh, it, it is like 600 degrees in Missouri. Are you guys getting the same down there? Yeah, we just have 600 degrees in humidity as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, same. No, humid here. Yeah. I mean, you, you basically feel like you're wearing a sweater as soon as you walk out of the house. So, it is, uh, it is lovely. So, okay, we're going to get to talking about Alabama 2018 football. I feel like this is probably what has been said in July for about seven consecutive years. This year is basically going to be viewed as a failure if Alabama is not playing for a national title. Is that accurate? That's been the case probably for the last, what, you know, 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, ever since Nick Saban came in, it's, uh, it's really been uh, – title or bust for Alabama the, the expectations here are just sky high and it's, it's almost it's almost unfair expectations but then again you look at it and Alabama makes the playoff every year so um why why would this year be any different I guess that's the way you look at it <laughs> right just kind of just kind of big picture and this is not something obviously I can identify with but what is it, it what is it like just day-to-day covering a program that really does have those I, I mean they at this point and I know Alabama has been a power for a long time, but this is the best era of what might be the best program in college football uh, all time. So what's it like covering that day-to-day just with the expectations and with the intense focus that is on that program? You know, my, my mom used to always tell me, because I'm, I'm a warrior, and she always used to tell me, uh, you don't have to worry. Uh, I don't have to worry about anything because uh, you're going to worry for me. That's, that's kind of <laughs> the way Alabama fans are. Uh, they will find the, they, you know, they could have the best team in the nation, and they still find things to worry about. So it is kind of, it still keeps things interesting because there's a little subplots here and there, and um, you know, Alabama fans just want everything to be perfect, and so there's always something to talk about because there's always, you know, is it the quarterback position? Is it there's enough depth at linebacker? There's always something that you know Alabama fans are just kind of anxious about, and, and and think that you know, oh, this might unravel, you know, because the expectations are title or nothing so I mean it, it is hard to win a national title even if you have the best team so um, there's always something to kind of focus on and well you know will this be the downfall of Alabama or you know will they be able to survive this so that's kind of yeah. like what it's like at this time and by unravel you mean they might lose twice in a calendar year that's how that's unraveling over here <laughs> right yeah. exactly yeah. so you mentioned the quarterback position obviously that's what everybody's focus has been on since the you know, unbelievable second half that Tua Tagovailoa put up in the national title game. What is the expectation in Tuscaloosa? Is it that Tua is going to be the starter and Jalen Hurts is going to do what? The the moment the momentum is definitely on Tua's side. Um, 
you know, I, Nick Saban hasn't said that, you know, Tua Tungvalu is going to be the quarterback, and I expect him to, to battle this fall. And you never know what's going to happen during that battle. But just by the, by the looks of things and by what Tungvalu can, uh, can offer, it, it seems like he would be your guy. Uh, I think that's what most of the fans, if not all of the fans, expect. Um, on the same hand, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if they have a shared role. I wouldn't actually be shocked if Jalen came out and started the Louisville game. Um, as they kind of battle, I think, you know, one thing you got to really look at is, uh, Alabama, that, that new red shirt rule allows Alabama right. to kind of experiment with its quarterback position. I mean, Jalen Hurts basically has a four game audition. Um, you know, they could play him in, in the first four games. And if he wins the job, he wins the job. If not, he could just decide to red shirt. Um, and then he, uh, he's actually on pace to graduate in December. So, you know, everyone, all this talk of uh, Jalen Hurts transferring before the season, I just don't really see that because just, you know, if I was in his shoes, it, it seems like the better business decision for him would be to kind of use this year as an experiment, try to win your job back. If you don't, you take that redshirt year um, and, and you graduate. And with the new SEC uh, graduate transfer rules, uh, it really makes things a lot easier. The, all the rules that came out uh, for transferring – it seems like the stars just kind of aligned for Jalen Hurts. So while he, you know, might not find himself in the ideal position in the quarterback battle, he definitely now has some options that he wouldn't have had a year ago. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That answered my next question of why is Jalen Hurts still there? But uh, from from the outside, everything I've seen out of Jalen Hurts, like nobody wants to probably be in the position he's in, but he has handled it better than I think almost anyone possibly could ask a 20-year-old kid to handle it. Um, just just having gone through these last few months and finding himself in the position he's in, uh, it would have been your impressions of, of the way Jalen Hurts has carried himself. Yeah, I mean, the, the best sign of that was just right after the game, uh, right after the national championship game. You, you know, you couldn't find a teammate more happy for, for his teammate in Tungo Bailoa. Um, he handled that with absolute class, and he's kind of – He's a, he's a low-key person himself. He's not one of these guys that comes out and talks a lot. I know he did raise some headlines um, when his dad said that he had become the biggest free agent in college football history, but that was his dad talking. Um, you know, and right. I, I think, you know, you, you got a dad who's a head coach that's seen his son uh, perform well throughout his whole career, knows what his son can do. Um, and I think, you know, maybe dad got a little bit frustrated and um, maybe let some things slip that he probably wouldn't have wanted to you know, to say, but as far as Jalen, he's ne- he's not the kind of guy that's going to bring those topics up. And um, I think he just has a lot of confidence in himself too. And let's not forget, you know, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungvaloa are both great quarterbacks. I just think the difference is Jalen Hurts is a good college quarterback. Right. And Tungvaloa might be the first Alabama quarterback really, you know, to, to have that, that top 10, top 15 um Ability, you know, Alabama hasn't had that under Nick Saban. Even AJ McCarron, who, you know, is going to get a shot in the NFL, uh, he didn't have that top, that first round, top fifteen kind of pick right. potential that that Tua has. So um, they, you can win a national championship with both of them. If Tua was to decide to transfer, which I mean, I'm not saying he will, but right. let's just say he are he got hurt or transferred or whatever, Alabama could win with Jalen Hurts. And I know some of the fans don't want to, like I guess, believe that because of the national championship game and the end of the season last year, but 
Alabama is certainly capable of winning with either quarterback. I mean, there are, uh, you know, a lot of teams that would take that that would kick their guy to the curb tomorrow if Jalen Hurts was going to transfer to their school. I, I would venture yeah. to say well over half the Power Five schools in the country would do that um, for Jalen Hurts. Uh, one more on the quarterback thing because look, I, I mean, the second half of that game obviously was unbelievably impressive. Nobody could come away thinking other anything other than good God, what that kid did in his first real action in college was was unbelievable. But I mean, this kid is now, I think he's probably going to be picked as the preseason all-SEC quarterback over the likes of Jarrett Stidham and Drew Locke and, and Fromm and some guys that have done it. I think he will be a Heisman candidate simply by being the quarterback at Alabama. I think he will be a first-team preseason All-America, according to some. Shouldn't it take a little more than one half of football to, I mean, are, are people getting out over their skis at all with Tua here? I think the talent has always been there for Tua, even before, you know, he, I think all those projections you just named are based on the talent he has, because actually, I don't really see any of them. I think, so. you know, I think you got to look at the logistics of it. Alabama's not going to need to throw the ball that much. Uh, and even if Tua was to have a great season, let's just say he's as good as advertised, doesn't make any of the mistakes. They're probably going to take. I mean, look at last year. They took, uh, they took him out. They took Jalen out in the first half after they were up by forty. You know, right. I mean, there's going to be a lot of that. So I, for him to win a Heisman, I think he'd have to put up some great numbers, and you know, uh, he'd probably have to bail Alabama out of a few things. Uh, if Alabama steamrolls everyone, I don't know if the, the passing numbers are going to necessarily be there. And like I said, you, that whole first four games might be a, some auditioning, which is going to take some of his stats away as well. Um, that being said, I, I do think the talent is there for two. I think when you watch him throw a ball, when you just you look at his his poise, you look at just the national championship game. I know it's one half, but it's a half in a big stage where he looked composed. He looked he was able to read defenses uh, like an upperclassman, um, and so that ability uh, is there. And I think that's what yeah. people are seeing. I think that's what you know. I think that's what all the hype is about. Is just his. Uh, his football knowledge and his arm and just the, the rare combination of all of it. Talking with Tony Sukalis of Bama Insider about the Crimson Tide in 2018. So this statement could really be made about any position on the Crimson Tide roster. I mean, at this point, yeah, they lose guys every year and they, they just fill them. But most impressive to me has been this line of running backs that like every time some guy leaves, you see the next guy play a game and go, hang on, he is better than the last guy was. So, so oh, yeah. what's what what's the backfield situation down there? Well, you know, the report just came uh, out today in the um, San Francisco Chronicle that Najee Harris was struggling with uh, the playing time and, and had contemplated transferring last season. I mean, he's not going to do that, but um, it, it is tough for for a star back to to get a lot of carries. I mean, you, you mentioned it. Every one of these guys could be star backs. Um, you know, Bo Scarborough left for the Cowboys, but you still have. Damian Harris, who could become the first Alabama running back to rush for uh, 1,000 yards in three straight seasons. And then you've got Najee Harris, who was the number one uh, prospect overall in the 2017 class. Uh, you got a great kind of third down back, uh, kind of change of pace guy in Josh Jacobs. Uh, and then you got Brian Robinson. You know, if, if you don't follow Alabama, you don't really know Brian Robinson, but he's every bit as big as Najee Harris is. Um, you know, close to as, as athletic. And there's a couple people inside the program that think he's just as good or better than Najee Harris, which is kind of a scary statement to make. But, you know, he's another guy that could also have a big year as well. So, uh, so, it so is they'll really be all scary. right. 
They're going to be just <laughs> fine at the running back yeah. position. You know, I was talking with someone uh, before I came on, and, and they were saying, oh, man, you know, what, what would have happened if Najee Harris would have actually transferred? And the real answer is, I mean, no. Alabama would be a little bit bummed out, but they've got so many options. They really right. wouldn't hurt all that much. I mean, they, right. they've got so many Najee Harrises on their team. So uh, the defense, look, uh, we know what Nick Saban's defenses are. They're, they're going to be great. They're going to be one of the most talented defenses in the country. But every year there's there's kind of the guy on the Alabama defense that, that you know, jumps out and that everybody says that's that's the guy that's leading this thing. Who's that guy this year? Oh, there's a couple of candidates I would go. Um, on the defensive line, I mean, if you're looking for the biggest NFL prospect, it's probably uh, Raekwon Davis. He's a mountain man. He's uh, six foot seven, uh, like, like three hundred and eight pounds or something like that. He's he's just a giant. Um, you know, uh, he got shot before the season and comes in and sacks uh, the Florida State quarterback first play. Uh, he's just a he's a monster. He led the team in sacks uh, in a year where Alabama struggled with sacks because of so many injuries. Uh, he's coming back, and I just think he's going to be uh, a big time pick in next year's draft. Uh, linebackers, you got Terrell Lewis, who's kind of that classic out third down kind of linebacker that's going to come in and terrorize quarterbacks uh uh kind of similar to what tim williams did at alabama uh as far as like you know players inside they've got two of the the most athletic inside linebackers and uh mac wilson and dylan moses uh it, it is it is crazy uh in terms of like the amount of guys that really could step up as leaders uh, they considering how much they lost last year yeah now a couple big picture questions to to end and look Alabama is is going to be favored I'm sure in all 12 games they usually are but I'm looking through the schedule and my first thought is this might be the most favorable schedule Alabama could possibly have I mean the big the big non-conference game is is Louisville which is Louisville's a good team but Alabama's going to be a significant favorite I mean the road games are Ole Miss Arkansas Tennessee uh, you know, the, the better teams on the schedule, Auburn, Mississippi State, and maybe A&M, they all come to Tuscaloosa. So really, like, just looking at this schedule, Alabama's season and whether they're 12-0 and or not probably comes down to a trip to Baton Rouge that I'm sure will be a primetime game on CBS. And until and until LSU proves that they have a quarterback right. capable capable of testing Alabama's defense, and I just don't really see that. You know, you know, I mean, maybe... LSU would have to score twice on defense to win that game probably. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds so, you know, that sounds condescending towards them. But, I mean, you know, by that time, you'd expect Alabama's defense to kind of be in full gear. I know they lost a lot of players, but that's at the end of the season. I know every trip to Baton Rouge is is tough, uh, but I I just really don't. I I think maybe uh, the 12-0 might come down to Auburn, and they they still have Auburn at home. Um, To me, the Auburn really could be the first challenge, uh, even though it's the last game of the regular season. Wow. Um, I think Auburn's going to have a good team. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, Obviously, you guys talk to the recruits uh, all the time, and I am struck just watching Bama recruiting from the outside, and the closest comparison is Kentucky basketball. As they continue to stack number one class upon number one class upon every now and then a number two class, I kind of wonder, like, is the mentality of all these kids – Hey, I'm good enough, and and I just want to be a part of winning a national. Like, I wonder if at some point some of these kids start going, yeah, I could go to Bama and be a guy, but there's all these other places that I could go and be the guy, and I'm surprised that that the recruiting continues to stay at the exact same level it has been. Uh, you know, why do you think? In talking to these kids, why do you think that is? 
Well, Alabama sells uh, recruits a lot on the iron sharpens iron. And the fact that they are going to be continuously going against the best kids during practice, and that's what makes players so good. That's been Alabama's big uh, recruiting pitch uh, for the last couple of years. Just you're going to be playing with the best, and that will make you the best. And then I think just personally, when you when you look at these guys, all these guys are coming out. They're all the best players of their high schools. No one's coming in and saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to start in Alabama. It's just not the mindset of a recruit. Right. Um, at least not the ones that usually try to – that usually Bama goes after anyway. So um, you look at a guy like – for example, I think a lot of people ask uh, Mac Jones, the four-star quarterback, playing behind Tua Tungvaluwa and, and Jalen Hurts, you know, and coming in the same class as Tungvaluwa. Why would he come to Alabama? But I think he – you know, a guy like him, he's also a really talented quarterback. He's going to look at it and say, I can beat Tua Tungvaluwa. I can right. beat Jalen Hurts. And that's the mentality for all these guys that come in. Uh is, you know, they're all super confident guys, and they just feel like if they come to Alabama, that's, you know, that's joining the number one. That's joining the New England Patriots, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, no question about it. Yeah, uh, so. Last thing for you, I am, uh, you know, in doing what we do, like games tend to kind of run together. What you look forward to is is the chance to do something new. So I am looking forward to uh, seeing Tuscaloosa for the first time and, and seeing a game down there just for uh, – I mean, you've, I'm sure, been to games a, a lot of places for Missouri fans or for those of us who cover Missouri who, due to the SEC schedule, this may be our only chance in about 15 years to get down there. I mean, where's game day in, in Tuscaloosa, in your mind, kind of rank among some of these other places that, that you might go across the country and just first chance to, to go see a game down there? What is that Saturday at Alabama like? It is a really great environment. Um, it, it's right up there. I mean, I, you know, I, I like there's – Things maybe like the uh, the Grove and Old Miss and you know other things that I really can't be beaten. But as far as I'd say, Alabama's you know probably top three uh, SEC schools to to kind of be at for a football game. I mean, just the passion of the crowd and you know the atmosphere, that stadium. Uh, you know, just listening to the just the history that goes along with Alabama. Uh, that's pretty much unmatched by anyone in the SEC. And so just being a part of that, you kind of really feel that. Um, it's, it sounds really corny, uh, uh, but, you know, you, you hear Bear Bryant's voice and, God, you can't understand anything. Because he <laughs> talks like he has rocks in his mouth. But you hear that over the loudspeakers. And it's like I've heard that for every game for, you know, the last five years. And I still You still kind of get like a little bit of a chill. It's like, whoa, you know, like yeah. you're a part of something really big. So, yeah, it's definitely – if you have a chance to check it out, um, definitely, yeah, I, I would recommend coming for the game. and. And who knows? I mean, Alabama's replacing its uh, top six defensive backs, and Missouri can sling it. So uh, maybe maybe Missouri makes that game a little bit more interesting than most people are giving them credit for. <laughs> I thought you were going to say maybe Missouri wins, and I was going to offer you dinner on Saturday night after that game on me if that happens. <laughs> I don't happens. know if I'd go that far, but yeah. I, I think they might you know, put a little bit of a slight scare early they, on. They might cross the goal line a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. Well, I appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll probably catch up with you in Atlanta here in a couple weeks and, uh, and down the road in the season. All right, hey, look forward to it. All right, thanks a lot. That is Tony Sukalas, BamaInsider.com. Appreciate him joining us on the podcast. Now on the podcast, we welcome in an old friend and to break down the uh, Missouri 3-deep for 2018 former Mizzou beat writer, Therese Paler. That's uh, that's what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes, right, Therese? <laughs> you got it. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, listen, for those who don't know, Therese was at the Kansas City Star for quite a while now. Uh, he, he covered Mizzou for, what was it, Therese, about a year and a half? 
about a year and a half. Yeah, then uh, then was on the Chiefs beat for a while. Now is a senior football writer covering the NFL for Yahoo Sports. And like I get a lot of questions from our subscribers just kind of about our business and, and what we do and how we go about it. So I think most people listening would be kind of interested. You've really had kind of every – you've gone from covering high schools to being on a college beat to being on a, the beat of a pro team, and now you're like a national guy. You don't really have a – you cover 32 teams. But just kind of the progression, what what are the differences in in going through that, uh, through all those different jobs? Um, I think there's just more responsibility, obviously. Um, one thing you didn't mention is that I, when I started at the Kansas City Star, I was hired right out of college at Howard University. Okay. Very proud graduate of there. And I spent five and a half years covering high school sports which was a really important time for me to make some mistakes, really learn how to cover a beat while I was a high school writer. I was also the backup on the Royals, and I took on some lower league beats as well. So I was the beat writer for the Kansas City Brigade, which was the Arena Football League team. Well, I was going to ask, the, what in the world yeah. is the Kansas City Brigade? Exactly. It's the Arena Football League team. I covered um, what used to be the Kansas City Wizards, and I covered Sporting Kansas City for a while. And my thing is, like, I don't know. I, I think, you know, media is shrunken to the point that, like, sometimes kids get hired right out of school for jobs they might not be ready for. And they're asked to learn on the job. And the employees are okay with that. And if you can get that, go for it. But I also think there's something to be said for doing it the old school way. Um, I believe I did that as a long time covering high schools, man. But I learned a lot doing that. I learned the fundamentals of beat writing. And I thought that it really helped. So as I progressed, uh, for instance, when I took the Missouri job, I already had an understanding, so to speak, of like how to form some relationships with the players. Because I've done it before on two beats. Now, granted, it wasn't, you know, a super popular pro league, but I'd done it before and I dealt with the male athlete ego already. And that, that's pretty helpful. Um, you learn how to cultivate sources as you go, too. I think anybody who's listening to this understands how good you are at that. I mean, you're really the man in Mizzou, Gabe. Um, that's you why know, I had you on this podcast, just to compliment yeah. me for a few minutes. No, but no, but I'm serious, though. Like, you've been there so long. So many people know you. you become an institution. Like, you can attest to this. Some of this is just being, like, fair and honest. But some of this, the other part of it is just kind of, like, consistently being there yep. and being fair and honest. If you can do that and you can get people to trust you and you don't come into this thing looking to screw people over, the source building, all that will come to you. Yeah, I, I always say anytime somebody asks, how do you build sources? I say, well, you just show up. Like every time they allow you to show up, you're there, you know, right. and, and, and you don't, advice. you try not to be an idiot. Um, right. But, but uh, look, if you're old school, that, that just makes me old, man. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I get that. Uh, but look, the one thing, no matter what beat you've been on, the one thing that, that has always come through, like, I wish I loved something I covered as much as you love football. Like, I've never seen a, a media guy spend so much time looking at tape and stuff. Like, you just like football. Is is that accurate? That's definitely true. And I would encourage people to go to cover and do whatever you want to do that's fun, right? Like, Gabe, I didn't get into this, you know, so I could labor and hate my job. Like, no. <laughs> that just, that just happens naturally over time. That does. The, <laughs> jade, the cynicism comes naturally. I'm 34 now. Boy, I'm a lot more jaded than I was when I first met you six years ago. Yep. But <laughs> that comes with time. But, no, it's true, though, man. Like, nobody gets into this because they want to grow to dislike players and hate their job. Like, we all decided a long time ago, hey, you know, we're going to cover sports for a living because we want to have a job we might actually like. Um, 
I could have been an engineer. I thought about it. I could have been an architect. Architect. I actually thought about that, too. I would have made a lot more money doing that. But I chose to do something I loved or I thought I would enjoy doing at the, at the expense of money. So I might as well have fun doing it. And no one's ever going to take that away from me. As long as I'm writing and as long as I'm covering football, I'm going to make sure I have fun doing it. Because the moment I stop doing that, it's not worth it anymore. I, I know it is very popular for those of us in our jobs to kind of complain about how hard they are and all that. But in the end, I mean, look, we're, we're covering games for a living. It ain't too bad. But my favorite story really about anybody ever is – like, I, I bet it wasn't a month into your, your time on the Missouri beat. You looked at me and Matter and a couple other people. Man, why are you guys such cynical bastards? And we were like, just wait. <laughs> just wait, man. And then, and then like, a year later, you, we were going through that Frank Haith era and all that, and you were like, yeah, all right, I kind of get it. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> it just takes over your life. When, yep. you've been through, when you've been through some bullshit, I mean, you kind of see it. You know, you just you deal with it, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just call I mean, that Tuesday in Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say this, too. Like, I hope people appreciate, like, the job you and Dave and the two Mizzou kids um, that we've got covering it, that we used to. God, I still think of myself as a star employee. Yeah. Like, it's a hard, it's a hard beat. That's a hard beat. Like, I, I don't think people fully understand, like, the amount of stuff that always comes out of there. It's not an easy beat to cover. It's just not. Yeah, it's it's 24-7, which is what I want to ask you now. Now that you're kind of a national guy, and I understand you're just, just two, three months into this but and haven't really covered training camp or the season, obviously, yet, but is it your impression you're going to kind of get to pick and choose what you want to write about, or are you more of a, a breaking news guy, react to what happens? What, what are you going to be doing for Yahoo? I get to I get to choose what I want to write about, and there'll be some news that I get and go after. But I, they hired me to help lead the podcast effort, which I'm going to do on the football front, and they also hired me to write like interesting football stories. Um, and I think that I'll be free to have more time to do that as opposed to just being a beat guy when I'm so focused in on the Chiefs. I'm looking for trends. I'm looking for features. I believe the things I've done the first two months are a pretty good indication of like what they want me to do. And I feel good about that. I can write columns. I have, excuse me, I have time to write columns. Um, I think it's just a really good opportunity to expand my sport, my, my source base and also expand um, some of my writing skills. And I, I really think in today's world, today's media landscape, kind of the more you can do, the better. Like the more sources I have, obviously, the better. The more styles of writing I can do, the better. You know, um, I, I don't believe that, newspapers or even sports media will go away. But I, I do think that there is a possibility that the amount of people who have influence might, might shrink to like a certain number. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, people demand excellence, you know, they demand quality because they can get whatever they want to get um, from anywhere now. And information comes quickly through multiple platforms. So if you want people to choose you, you've got to, you've got to sacrifice and bring stuff to the table. So I'm excited for that challenge. You know, I'm still going to live in Kansas city. I'm still going to follow the chiefs because I have a radio contract with 610 sports. So I'm going to have a show once a week. They're going to have me on regularly. Um, the different shows on that station, they're going to ask me to come on and do guest spots. So I'm still going to have an influence in Kansas city. And that's by design. I want to do that because this is my home and this is my base. And I will always keep an eye on the chiefs because I made my bones here. Now you said you have a radio contract. I just want to say, if you get paid to go on radio, like we got to talk after the, we got to talk <laughs> offline after this, because that is the, that is the most difficult thing. Radio people, man, they don't spend money. 
That's pretty impressive. I, I, look, I know. Um, I, I'm I'm very happy about that. I've been yeah. with that station for a long time, um, but I also know how tenuous that is, right? One thing, yeah. you, Gabe. How old are you now, by the way? I'm, I'll be 42 next month. One thing I have learned, boy, life will keep you honest. Okay. Yep. Life will keep you honest. You might be flying high one minute, but the next day it comes and something bad happened. It'll keep you honest. So it's important, you know, to kind of stay right in the middle, no matter how good things are going. And then remember that things always get better, no matter how bad they go to. I know uh, you mentioned the podcast. So I, most of our readers, like our listeners, hey, they they know how to find Yahoo Sports. They most of them probably already follow you on Twitter. But as far as listening to your podcast stuff, like has that already started? Where can they find that? No, that has not started yet. We're going to launch that in training camp sometime in August. Okay. We're going through like the, the pre-work right now, but believe me, when it starts rolling, we'll uh I'll be tweeting about it a lot because it's something I'm very excited about and me and Charles Robinson, um the great Yahoo right. reporter who's been there a long time, you know, we're going to we're going to get we get along well. We're going to have a really good chemistry and uh we hope that we can be an entertaining um source uh, football news for people who love the game. Well, I'm definitely going to listen because, and you working with Charles Robinson, you'll enjoy this. So I was was uh, talking with uh, with somebody a couple weeks ago about Charles Robinson and you know the whole Miami thing and all that, and he said that people call Charles Robinson the Angel of Death because if that dude oh, yeah. shows up on your campus, you got serious problems. Oh yeah, if you and you know what, not just not just people associated with the program. If you were a porter. And you saw Charles Robinson? What did I miss? You are terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Charles was like, you know, that that was a dude you did not want to see. Like, I talked to people in our industry who said one time Charles came to their spot and it did not turn out well. Because that knows you missed something. Exactly. And something's coming and exactly. no one's going to tell you. So. <laughs> That's that's the brutal thing. That's that's hilarious, yeah. though. That's yeah. Um. So hey, let me. I, I know. Obviously, you still follow the Chiefs, all the KC stuff. Like you weren't on this beat a long time. What's it? But but for the Missouri fans listening, you know, are you still you still stay somewhat connected and pay attention? Do you adopt them at all? Uh. Since since you were kind of close here day to day for a while. Yeah, I, I have. But here's the thing. I've actually gone to a few Missouri football games. Really? I went to one. I went to one last year. Yeah. I, um, I must. I must have missed that text when you said, "Hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's go get a beer." <laughs> Wait, my phone was messed up, man. It's cool. <laughs> That's all that was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, guess which one I came to go see. <laughs> um. I. I mean, if it was anyone before the last six games of the season, it was yeah. terrible. Was it Purdue? It was Purdue. Oh, yeah. that was bad. <laughs> That was it so was bad. awful. It was like 95 degrees and people yeah. were gone. I was just like, wow, this stinks. Um, and I was ready to adopt Missouri's basketball team too. And, but just um, classic, just classic Mizzou luck. Michael Porter plays like two minutes. I just, you, I, I just feel so bad for Mizzou fans. <laughs> it's just, this guy, like watch this guy end up like scoring like, you know, 10,000 points in the NBA or something. And it's, it's just, uh, oh, man. It, I, I have spent 15 years trying to tell Missouri fans they don't have it that much worse than anybody else, and you're just wrecking that crusade right here. And, well, I'm a Lions fan. So I, I think oh, there you go. Yeah. One, I, think every one of their, I think every fan base has one of their teams that just kind of rips their heart out. But on it, a college level, I'm not sure I've seen anything like this. Yeah, it's uh, I, I mean, it's it's kind of like, and you can appreciate this uh, from from being in KC. Like I always said, 
from I was a Royals fan and I couldn't change it. And man, it was awful. But if they ever wanted, it was going to be so much more rewarding. Like if the Lions ever win a Super Bowl, that's going to be so oh much God. better for you than being a Patriots fan. Oh man, I'm I'm going to go back to Detroit for the parade. I'm just exactly. Well, hopefully, I'll be cover. I hopefully I'll be covering that Super Bowl. I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to fly to Detroit. <laughs> I'm just going to do a month long reporting on it. Like I like it's just going to be amazing. I, You're just going to embed with Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just fortunately, I don't have to worry about that, I think. So, <laughs> you never know, though, but yeah. It could be worse. You could be a Cleveland fan, man. But, yeah, uh, that's... yeah well, hey, else? go ahead. Even them, even them with LeBron, no shit. They got LeBron for, uh, they got, they got, they got their championship two years yeah, ago. Yeah, he did what he was supposed to do there. Mm-hmm. And then, then moved on. So, well, hey, man, definitely, uh, enjoy following all the stuff and, and we'll look forward to what you do and, uh, and hopefully my phone will work next time you're in Columbia, man. <laughs> All right, man. Um, anytime, man. Hit me up anytime. You know that. All right, Therese. Have a good one, buddy. Good to talk to you. All right, you too, man. Therese Paler, Yahoo Sports. Truly, like I don't say this lightly, truly one of my favorite guys in the business. Um, look, I, I think I have a reputation maybe for uh, just rooting for early kickoffs and and being a little bit jaded in this business. Uh, Therese, like that dude goes to work every day. And he loves his job. If you do not believe me, uh, wait till his new podcast comes out because I will tell you he did uh, he did podcasts with Sam Ellinger and Vahe Gregorian and Blair Kirkhoff. Uh, they called themselves the A Team after every Chiefs game. And I mean, these dudes would be in the press conference because the Chiefs were on prime time almost every week. It seemed like last year they would be in a press box somewhere at one thirty in the morning doing podcasts. And man, those things would get me through a workout the next day because. Therese loves his job, maybe more than anybody I know. Uh, really glad to to see him doing what he's doing and doing it for Yahoo in some uh, loose way. We are we are now teammates, at least uh, our paychecks come from the same people, I think. So, you know, really glad to see him. And for you guys who maybe got to know Therese a little bit through his coverage of Missouri, follow his career and, and follow everything he does on the NFL. So just wanted to catch up with him. This is kind of our last, like, dead week of of just kind of filling time so we will uh Mitchell Forty's going to be at Peach Jam and at Under Armour Finals next week we will not have a podcast be, uh next Thursday because Mitchell and I will both be on the road um the following week will be difficult because I'll be traveling back we'll both be traveling back from SEC Media Day so we we may either do it on a different day the next couple weeks, or we may have to skip an episode or two before we really get into you know post SEC media days and pre fall camp. But we'll do our best to keep talking at you guys uh, every week. Again, might take one off, but uh, but we'll do our best to catch up. And again, Mitchell uh, in Atlanta next week, and we will have full coverage there. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks to Therese. Thanks to Tony Sukalis from Bama Insider, and we'll hit you on the podcast um, sometime.